everyone and welcome back to Two Baggies One Light Bulb with me, Max, and my co-host. Once again, Domenico, welcome. Alright guys. Uh, we're back, episode two. Uh, hopefully when this gets out it would have been two in two days, which is pretty good form. I mean, you don't get that from many other podcasts. I mean, you know? we're already at the top of our game. I think so, and it's and it's good to say, uh, it's a good time to say, I should say, that uh, we are the official uh, West Bromwich Albion podcast. I can say that. It's, uh, it's a really exciting time. Um, we'll I put that in the name now. Official. Yeah, official. We are official. I mean, yeah. I've got, I've got, you know, from the higher ups. The yeah. They yeah. said they they listened to the first um, first episode and they were like. You had dinner with Kenya, so didn't you? Obviously. Well, the fir- the first thing they said to me was, "Do you guys want to be part of the administration?" I oh, said, yeah. "No," you know, because you know from the from the first podcast, and I was a bit surprised after my criticisms of uh, of lie yeah. that they even even considered that. Yeah, well, I, I was when you when you gave me the call and I went, Max, they've offered me the position of. Chairman, CEO, and CFO. I was like, "Whoa, hmm. you've I made quite the impression." I tend oh, down. I rightly like, so. Rightly I'm a lowly so. podcaster now with one episode under his belt, um, and who has only managed at the fantasy level. It, it, it's a very big leap to go exactly, up to. Mate. Yeah, yeah. I took Woking from the conference <laughs> to the Premier League in four seasons. I mean, I'd, I'd apologise you, mm. um, so I can understand why they why they contacted you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, guys, two and two. Um, the official pod, the unofficial official podcast of West Bromwich Albion. Yeah, Football I mean, Club. it's it's really important to say the liability <laughs> issues. We are not the official podcast of West Bromwich. As Albion. much as we wish we were, we are not. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, back again, guys. Um, hopefully, we we went on for a bit last time. People seem to not actually mind the fact we went on because we did. We wasn't really filler. Yeah. It was conversation. Uh, but there was a lot to be said. Uh, in that episode, you know what you're getting with us, guys. We we ramble on. Uh, you know, we ramble on about the Albion for a bit too long. And if you guys want to listen, then that's your prerogative. Yeah, that's, that's your guys' choice. Uh, but we're hoping, uh, we're hoping we only got the two segments last time. But we're hoping to get mm-hmm. three in today. Yeah. Uh, we're hoping to talk uh, things that we didn't quite include yesterday, uh, like the kit and uh, Mark Jenkins' interview, which came out. Some transfer discussion, mm-hmm. uh, and much, much more, guys. So stick around, and we'll move in to general discussion. Okay, guys, and you uh, join us now with general Albion discussion and uh, some pretty big news coming out of the club, as we all know, Mark Jenkins' retirement. Uh, and he recently sat down with Express and Stars, Joseph Massey, uh, and gave quite a few insights into uh, Albion's transfer budget for the new season, Dom. Yeah, he did. I mean, this this came out in sort of last few hours, didn't it, I think, or back end of yesterday. And obviously, we touched on Jenkins yesterday and his retirement and what that was going to mean for the club moving forward. You know, it's uh, it's a, it's a big... Uh, big loss, I guess. Um, and then the mysterious Ken coming in and taking over the position. And obviously, we uh, we know that it could be uh, there's a bit of a polarized opinion about that, especially on this podcast. Um, but yeah, I was kind of surprised to see this um, this exclusive interview in the Express and Star, to be honest, because the Express and Star is a bit of a um, you know dingle paper, isn't it? You know, when you when you read the Express and Star, um, you look at the back page of the Express and Star nine times out of ten. It's uh, the Wolves dominating that back page. I mean, you could have, you know, Chris Brunt could leave the Albion, cure cancer, become a superhero, destroy a comet, plummet into Earth that would have wiped out all known civilization on the planet. Um, and the Express and Star would have led with, oh, um, Raul Jimenez ties his shoelaces. <laughs> you know, that would have been basically it. That's the kind of extent we're going to Express yeah. and Star. Um, but yeah, I digress. So they had this... Uh, they had this... Um, interview with Mark Jenkins uh, obviously and he was giving his opinion on sort of 
what we, what the transfer window is going to look like moving forward after COVID and the fact that we kind of are in uncharted ground now. Yeah. That, you know, the the internalised economy of football may have changed to a degree that we don't know. I mean, when you look at the transfer market, especially on the top level, not championship, but top level, and how it's changed over the last few years, um, you know, we had... Uh, Paul Pogba a few seasons back was the most expensive uh, player at 90 and the season after it was Neymar at 200 222 million euros or something outrageous roughly 200 million pounds being the most expensive player in history uh, in the space of a season so obviously we've got an inflated market now and we've got you know there are many reasons and we could touch on loads you know partly it's because we've got whole countries taking over football clubs football rights is a big part of it as well exactly as it is in many sports if anyone uh, american sports are huge and how that implies salary cap uh, and wages and money um and that is as as people don't really like to admit american parallels within english sports Mm. but distribution rights is such a huge part of football now that it's kind of inescapable yeah Uh, and that's one of the biggest reasons we have um well, had such a inflation of the market, whereas this COVID crash almost within the market mm. um, is going to take a huge toll on, on teams, especially teams like us, Leeds and, well, yeah. and Fulham. I mean, it's, it's going to impact um, everyone in society economically. I mean, because it's uncharted territory, this, this um, I mean, without getting too political. I mean, it's... I mean uh, the overarching thing is there's bigger things than football. You can, I mean, we can all complain how Albion aren't spending, won't spend a lot of money, but, you know, this... This thing, like you've just said, it'll touch me. Yeah, what I mean is, is, you know, you look at all the, you know, the the, how, the housing market, different markets and whatever, and how this can impact it. And this obviously is such an instrumental thing that is going to impact football and transfers and um, the idea of um, how is it going to influence teams and how is it in- going to influence directors of football moving forward? Are they going to be safe? Are they going to be a bit more conservative yeah. with their decisions? Are they going to make, um, you know, sort of safer decisions? I mean, not to go into too much of it, but like... Uh, William going to Arsenal seems like a very safe transfer for shrewd, someone like Shrewd Arsenal. is probably the word. Shrewd deals. Shrewd, safe. I mean, whatever. I mean, it, compared to previous transfer windows where at the end of the Wenger era and moving forward, you know, when they were splashing the cash with Lacazette and Aubameyang. But Pepe I digress again. In. But yeah, moving moving back to, um, to Mark Jenkins and what he has to say on the subject. I mean, Jenkins um, is of the opinion that uh, the window is going to change, at least in the short term, maybe forever, but at least in the short term. And that um, we're going to have a very different transfer window, this window, compared to ones of the past. So the way that you can look at that is that I don't think we're going to see the level of spending, perhaps, that we're kind of come accustomed to, especially in the Premier League. Now yeah. we're back there. Um, he made a comment um, uh, based on you know a lot of it being loan deals and uh Bosman free transfers. Yeah, I think that's pretty um, much a direct quote. Yeah, yeah, and I, th- you know, we we're already seeing that with you know Arsenal going after William, which which is something that would could have happened regardless. Mm. But if if you oh, look, um, so I follow an account on Instagram. Uh, it might be the ninety two Bible and the ninety two something, and they give done deals at the end of every day, mm-hmm. um, and a whole lot of them are free transfers from most divisions. Um, the only one really being Nathan Ake because Man City have the deepest pockets within world football and they they are they're one of the few clubs that will be exempt from the spending power they'll still be affected by how much they'll be paying and can ask for players but they won't be restricted on how much they can spend uh, whereas a club like us we will be looking for the the shrewd deals mm. um which we have done as a club typically um 
but it will think, be a lot harder think, going up because we've had teams of the past um we've had teams of the past that have stayed up and prospered using the free transfers the bosmans uh the loan deal market in the past you know we put up players in the past some of some players that we know now that are so prevalent um you know like gareth mccauley said billy jones um liam ridgewell all these kinds of players that we've had in the past i mean the the best striker i've seen in my lifetime time in romelu lukaku play at west brom was a exceptional a loan, loan deal, deal. Yeah. um until everton picked us to the post for that second loan deal in the second season it. Um, for a crazy transfer sorry for loan a crazy fee. loan fee at yeah. the time um, and then ended up buying him so we've we've been a club that have made the most of these sort of free transfers loans do you think that um, that the world of football's changed now compared to those teams of the past that we've had that it's almost impossible to stay up in the Premier League without breaking that 100 mil mark or spending 50 plus million pounds can you stay up with um, free transfers and loan deals I'm of the opinion that the teams that stay up either uh, have a really, really good manager um, and that typically comes with a really, really good system um, and they're also found out fundamentally a brilliant teams from the board onwards. Mm. So you look at a team like Sheffield who didn't spend big um, but they come up with a, with a manager in Chris Wilder who'd been playing the mm. same system since promotion from League One um, and that they got on fair, they got on fine. If anything, they probably well, they finished possibly. lower than we would have thought they would uh, b- uh, before oh, the yeah. lockdown break. Before the lockdown break, um, definitely not at the start of the season. But yeah, I mean, with Sheffield, the problem with using Sheffield as an example is that they're such an outlier. You know, that's s- what I mean. Is it? Yeah. It's a rarity. It's a rarity. Um, so to answer your question in the short way, not really. Mm. I think we stand a better chance having Bilic, who does have more of a so. Not to harp on about Dean Smith, I think he's a, he's a nice bloke, but as a manager, I don't think he's yeah. Let's Premier give him the, the lowest amount of air yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so going up with Dean Smith, having to spend 140 million, that's a massive risk. Whereas if we gave Sam Billich 140 million, I'd be very confident that seven out of ten signings minimum would be not overspent on and very good signings. I mean, so use... I think we have a, a very good manager to make the most of whatever money we spend this uh, summer. To use Sheffield United as an example and to use Chris Wilder as an example, again, team have done very, very well this year, um, this season that's just finished. Um, but Chris Wilder's been building that squad from the ground up yeah. for years. Um, and he's got a crop of players and he's got a system that he knows works. And the difference between him and Billich is Billich hasn't had that. Billich has, a, has achieved what Chris Wilder achieved the season before um, within the space of one season. Yeah, um, And he's had to... Um, deal with you know a somewhat mini exodus of players bringing in new players uh, developing a new system of play using a very small pool of players within that system exactly um, in order to achieve it so I would say that in this particular scenario a, um, a Slaven Bilic Albion team couldn't survive on purely loan deals and free transfers I feel like we do need the monetary investment in order to give ourselves the best opportunity of staying up. Um, we touched on it last podcast. I don't think we need to spend a crazy amount of money, sort of the 50 to 70 million pound I, mark. I mean, the signings, like if we got Anthony Robinson for 1.5 million pounds, great signing. That's, that, that would go down as one of the better signings we've made in a very long time. Um, and other signings like that, you know, finding these weird release clauses within players' contracts or who's willing to let someone go. So uh, and there was, I don't know, there's no real concrete links 
to Max Cruz, but there's stuff being spoke about Max Cruz. There's mm-hmm. stuff being spoke about. Um, uh, is it? It's either Yaya, I think it's Yayech over in uh, Bishiktas now. Yeah, we've been uh, been with while. him. This Vida over in Bishiktas. Yeah, uh, quite a whole host of Turkish Super League players, um, which seem to all come from. I mean, you mentioned Mowbray's knowledge of the uh, the Scottish League. Mm. We seem to be using Bilic's uh, knowledge of the, of the Turkish League and Croatia, which mm. I think is a benefit. But I don't want to rely too heavily on that. And we've got we've got systems in place and a scouting network that knows what they're looking at. But I mean. What, one interesting concept I do want to touch on before we finish this segment is how this could uh, impact um, the changes to the substitute, um, the amount of substitutions you can have next season. The Premier League are going to be keeping the five, five that could, subs. That, that could crush us. We could get to 70 minutes, 1-0 off or 1-1, and we could be playing City. Rightly so, they could rest mm. De Bruyne, and they're like, OK, but we want to go for the league title. Uh, we need a win. Let's just bring on Kevin De Bruyne in the 70th well, minute, who is one of the best players on the planet. I feel like um, you know there is an argument to be made that the five substitution rule uh, does favour the top teams because they have a lot more squad depth. And we, we understand why it had to be brought in um, because of the pandemic and because of fatigue levels and people were worried about it. But to keep it on for the second season seems like there's been external pressures from the top Premier League clubs yeah. to uh, the Premier League in order to keep this in. And in terms of transfers and in terms of how it can uh, impact this transfer window, I, f- I understand what Jenkins is saying in terms of um, that people might be a bit more conservative looking at the low market, looking at the free transfers, especially in the Championship. But in the Premier League, I feel like the top teams are going to make the most out of this five substitution rule. And the players that we might be looking at and the team slightly above us in sort of mid-table that we will be looking at, they'll start hoovering up those players because they know they can keep them on the bench and bring them on and have even greater squad depth than they've got now. Um, I think there's a real um, risk of that happening, Um, and I feel that that's just generally bad for the league, bad for football. Um, So I I think the five substitution rule, okay, yeah, I I agree with you. I think there's been pressure elsewhere uh, to put it on. And the Premier League's always on on about homegrown talent and using youth player, which there has been a lot of youth talent used. Look at Mason Greenwood and players like that uh, this season. But if you want to introduce five five uh, player substitutions, have it mandatory to have two of those the two extra substitutions be youth players or have to be uh, PL two players and mm. things like that to, to not only you know sort of plug the advantage of having five world class players on the bench of which Nathan Ake would probably be one for Man City, potentially, mm. or they'll be dropping Otamendi, who's still a capable centre-half, which we would never be able to touch no, not at this so. moment in time. Uh, for two players um, that would have been like a Foden when Foden was coming up, and mm. these sort of players. Uh, so I don't really understand why they haven't done that. Well, I could make a guess at the fact that these big clubs are like, you know, we want these five forecast players on the bench uh, to, to help our chances as best we can. Like um, I say, I think the biggest risks, um, coming, bringing this back to Jenkins, I think the biggest um, um, argument to be made that goes against what Jenkins is saying in the Premier League, in the Championship it might be very different um, because there's a different set of pressures. But in uh, in the Premier League where we, we find ourselves now, thankfully, um, I feel like that the five substitution rule could alter the transfer um the, the, strategies. The, tra- yeah, the transfer strategies of the top clubs and I think if anything they could be even more active I feel like play- teams like Man United uh, are going to be more active in this transfer window 
Um, picking up players that you might not think they would. Exactly. And and the players that we'd potentially be looking at Are the players to, fill their ben- to fill their benches. You know, yeah. Maybe the players that we're looking at spending 20 million on or so, the, high, the higher end of our transfer budget, they'd be looking at filling their benches and having them as a squad rotation. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel that's our biggest threat and um, as well, obviously, uh, the competition from other teams coming up. I feel those are the two things that are going to um, stifle uh, our transfer uh, policy. It, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky terrain to traverse. Uh, excuse the alliteration. Um, <laughs> going forward, uh, you know, it's a weird time to come up. It's a very Albion time to come up, if you ask me. Um, in order that, like, um, so we never really do things like easily. It's always hard for ourselves. <laughs> so we had a lockdown. Didn't perform well after the lockdown. Took it to the uh, Brentford. Took it to the final day. Came up. weren't really allowed to celebrate properly. <laughs> won't be allowed to build our team properly. Yeah. So it feels like it's a very hard situation. Yeah. It's a strange. It's and a strange it feels time. very Albion. It's a strange time, but it's an interesting time. It'll be interesting to see how it's all going to unfold in the transfer market. Um, but we've got another segment um, that's going to be coming up uh, soon. Uh, we'd like to talk about the the new kits that Albion have uh, released on very polarizing kits. I think across the fan base. I feel so, and uh, very much like this podcast, I feel like we're going to have a bit of a polarized opinion on it. And we returned on, and we are talking kits. Obviously, yep. hashtag New Stripes was the campaign launched by the Albion. Yeah. Um, and uh, pretty much splitting opinion amongst the fan base. And I'm pretty sure splits the opinion between us. So what do you think of hashtag new stripes? Well, when I first saw the kit, obviously they did the, the first the first drop. You know, it makes it yeah. sound like a Beyonce album or something. But they did the first drop and it was that um, it was the home kit. And then they did the away kit. I think it was a few days after, I yeah, think. Yeah, with Livermore. With, yeah. uh, with Big Jake. And um, yeah, I mean, first impressions, uh, I wasn't happy with it. Um, I didn't like it. Uh, I could see why fans do like it. It comes from a time within the Albion when I was basically pooing into nappies. Yeah. So it doesn't really resonate with me on a nostalgia level. So maybe that's my problem. Um, I don't particularly like the barcode kit so much. Um, I definitely think the home kit looks better than the away kit. Um, but that's because, and again, unpopular opinion, um, I'm not the biggest fan of the Samwell colours. I don't like I the green really and yellow do, stripes. I really do think that's an unpopular opinion. I don't yeah. think many people would agree with yeah, you. Yeah, I'm sure people are shouting at me and calling me all kinds of obscenities, but not a fan of it. Never been a fan of it. Um, obviously, it's cropped up in in a few kits, in a few away kits. Maybe uh, an alternate kit here and there as well over the last... Um, well, it was it was predominant. Um, so, uh, my, my overarching memory of this is Kevin Phillips in the... Uh, in the T-Mobile, sorry guys, <clears throat> in the T-Mobile years, um, in the Umbro kits, uh, in the red and green, and it disappeared for ages, and I was I was devastated because I loved that kit so much, um, and then it came back. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure it was the first championship season we had it back. Yeah, maybe. I mean, um, I mean, again, I mean, it's one of those things where you know the the Albion knowledge when it comes to the Samwell colours football kit is so far at the back of my mind yeah, yeah. Of, of, of I mean, that, for me that doesn't come into it i just really like the uh, what the the green yellow and f- so for some reason uh especially if you, if any of you guys you'll know where this is but the blackwood museum um has has like punch and judy in it and they the the the, the puppet show 
sort of marquee thing, whatever, was red and green. Red and green. Uh, green and yellow. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I was like to all my primary school friends, like, that's Albion colours, daddy's. Put Judy or Albion fans. That's like fans. some seven-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and that sticks in my head because I, I was obsessed with these colours, uh, and that that's why I, I still love it. What, because of a Punch and Judy show. No, like no, but, no, <laughs> not just because of the Punch and Judy uh, show. Uh, I was say, but don't just take so, anything from Punch and Judy. Man. Yeah, yeah. Just because it's it's so ingrained in my head of how much I love this, mm. uh, and that's just a memory of me, just bragging about how cool yellow and green was that. Uh, just random stuff like that. some like six year old at the Backcountry Museum so I mean it sticks with me and I love this kit um, and uh, you know the new kits now the home kit I was unsure about because I was so hopeful for something I don't know uh, not different but I think that the home kit we had this well season just gone mm. I don't know how we're classing it at the moment but you know with the lovely stripes nice and even and the intricacies of the shoulder uh, with um, sort of like uh, what, do you, what do you call it a monogram or um, a pattern of you know the thrustle yeah, yeah. on the on the shoulders. I thought yeah, it was I lovely. It. Uh, so I wasn't too hot when it first came out, but um, it's grown on me personally. Well, for me, um, and I'd agree that the home kit looks nicer than me, the away kit because of the bog. Our real kit creativity comes through in our alternate or third kits. It feels like you've got to have the obviously you've got to have the the, uh, the blue and white. If you ever took the blue and the white away, you'd have riots. Which they almost did. Yeah, which they um, almost did for the pinstripe kit. Pinstripe kit, that was awful. Terrible. But then you've got the, the, the away kit. Obviously, they've got to keep that fairly conservative. They've had the the, the Samwell colours for a while to keep fans happy. But with, with the third kit, the alternate kits, they can kind of be a bit experimental with them. And the last third kit we had, the purple one, I absolutely loved. It's I one like of my favourite kits. I really like that. Love that kit. Um, and on those subjective third kits, my favourite kit of all time uh, has to be the 2007-2008 kit. Um, the Umbro kit, black and silver, with the T-Mobile yeah. um, across the middle. Um, you know, fantastic kit, fantastic season. Um, but that kit for me was fantastic. And I every time I'm waiting out for Albion to release a kit, you know, I've got my fingers crossed and I'm hoping for I'm, a black I'm hoping for kit. a black alternate. Um so I mean, in the past we had that green. Remember when we went down, we had the green alternate. Mm. Uh, that was a bit of an odd one. Um, like a keeper's kit, from what I could see. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Uh, we've had red alternates in the past before red became our mm. away colours for a little bit. Yeah. Which was um, when we had Zoopla as a sponsor. I think it was the first year of Zoopla. I think so. Um, yeah. And it was basically a carbon copy of the home kit, just in red and black. I, not... I remember. I distinctly remember Paul Sharner wearing one. So I can't. Oh, yeah. I can't remember the the. Um... Or maybe it was just that he's, I remember Red and Paul Sharner because that was his basic complexion like 90% of the time. You know. Top player though. Paul Great Sharner. player. Love, love uh, that guy. Oh, actually, just just to go on a tangent. Remember the goal he scored against Sunderland and we travelled up there? Oh, like the, the 40 pass the 40 goal. 40 pass goal and we travelled up to... And we're like, we're Barcelona. It was oh, like man. we were getting, uh, we were channelling uh, in a Guardiola. Yeah. You know, oh. but it ended up, it was Paul Sharner putting it in the back of the bet instead of Lionel <laughs> Messi. You know, that shows the difference, guys. But... Um, kit wise, I mean that kit 2007-2008 yeah. up there as god tier kit for me. Everything else pales in comparison. Obviously, you, you know, not the home kit so much, but in terms of experimental kits, that's good. Yeah. The last third kit we've just had, I have to say, is is probably my second favorite. It's uh, nice. Kit. I think it's really nice. Really, really good. Um, I'm hoping for another black one this year. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I hope they go nuts it's, with it. I yeah. hope they go nuts with it. I hope they just the purple was a bit it. different. I mean, no one really mm. saw that coming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it really worked well. It was balanced with the socks and and, and the shorts, um, but I'm just hoping for, a, for just an all black one. So 
sort of like a black like the brushy Dortmund one mm. uh, if you've seen that one that was out there and a couple others that would be really nice yeah uh, I think and so. it's not out the rounds if they're willing to do purple uh, I'm hoping they're willing to do another black one because we've had that in the past like you said 07 08 um, first season back in the Premier League with home servers as a sponsor mm. that was black um, bl- the black and the blue pinstripes so I don't think it's out the rounds of possibility um, well but, I, I think we can all agree that there should only be two kit you know two color choices they should never touch and that should be you know claret and blue and orange and, and orange and it is orange oh, it's old gold, old gold it's gold yeah i'm sure old i've never seen bollocks. gold like that absolute <laughs> rubbish mate yes guys well that brings us to the end of episode two of two baggies one light ball uh, we hope you've enjoyed the episode it's a bit more of a concise one uh, we've sort of tried to cap our rambling a little bit <laughs> um, but uh, be sure to follow us on uh, at Albion Opinions um, send us in your questions look out for the stories where you can send them in directly or if you want to DM us again at Albion Opinions yeah. uh, send in the questions send in any opinions for Assel and Zahor so if you send in a question uh, for example Sam Johnson is good enough for Premier League football want, and if it's good we'll choose it and we'll put it on the story with a poll saying Assel and Zahor and if people say Astol, they're agreeing with it. And if people say Zahor, they are disagreeing with it. And we'll look at the results and me, me and Dom will uh, discuss it on the next pod. That's it, yeah. The running joke being Astol being the Albion legend. So, yeah, top notch, top tier, god tier. And Zahor being... Eh, not that. Not that. Whatever yeah. the lower level wrong is from Astol, yeah. And, and a few more. Yeah. So, uh, we hope you've enjoyed the episode. Uh, we spoke a bit of, uh, you know... Uh, the Jenkins interview, how it's going to impl- implicate implicate us, not implicate us, it's how it's going to affect us window. on the transfer window, um, and just looking forward. Uh, hopefully, there'll be more development in transfer talk for the Albion soon. I'm sure there will. Something we could really get our teeth into, uh, and we're hoping to do a, a questions pod. So again, we insist, please send us your questions. Uh, we've had some feedback as well from we've the first really episode. So, far, yeah. um, really so shout questions. out to you guys. Uh, keep bringing your feedback. Keep bringing your questions. Uh, and we hope to sort of discuss them on uh, a later pod. Yeah, exactly. Come on, you baggies.